0: Hey, what's up, Healthy You? This is Dr. Scott Haggerty, and guys, you are in for a treat today. This episode is one of the most highly requested topics that we have had by a long shot. We are gonna be digging heavy into unraveling unraveling autoimmunity today with Dr. Jared Siegler. He is a doctor of chiropractic and has been certified in functional medicine for the last 10 years. He's also trained in functional neurology. He has over 600 hours of training, and the whole goal of functional neurology is to help to promote growth, development, and healing Of various regions in the central and peripheral nervous system for the last five years he has served as the clinical director at perfect practice he's trained over 300 clinicians in functional medicine and functional neurology and a large portion of his personal focus is to bring awareness to the healing potential of the human body metabolically through functional medicine and promoting neuroplasticity through functional neurology to help with the rising occurrences of chronic diseases and providing simple solutions for complex health problems he is going to dive deep into answers and solutions for those of you that are struggling with autoimmunity. Guys, you are in for a treat. We are going to go deep. We're going to go heavy. But make sure you stay through to the end because Dr. Seeger has a very special offer for you at the end. See you on the inside. Let's turn up your awesomeness, Healthy You. Welcome to the Healthy You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Scott Haggerty. Healthy You is an online health university to give you all of the resources you need to live a life of optimal health. Our mission is to share everything that we have learned about health, decipher what the research says, and we will interview top doctors, researchers, and practitioners from all areas of health and wellness to give you the most cutting edge information on preventative health. What to expect? Well, we're gonna learn a lot, have a lot of fun, Grow constantly and challenge you to grow too. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to get all of our latest episodes. We'll see you on the inside. Hey, what's up, everybody? Dr. Scott back here with this next episode of Healthy You, guys. I'm so excited. You're really gonna love this. We have our special guest, Dr. Jared Siegler. Dr. Jared, thank you so much for being with us today. Dude, thanks for having me. Um, this is really exciting. As uh, and as we
1: were just chit chatting, you know, haven't really that. Uh, got to discuss or talk with you since school and, and so it's really nice catching up and just um, seeing how you know everybody's grown and how much an impact uh, you know you're making as far as uh, creating health and value for people
0: that need it. Well I think it's super important that we you know because obviously our whole mission right is, is with yours with your patients in your practice ours with ours is to be able to go and expand the reach help to teach people about the bigger picture of health but also to help to empower them. You know, and so for us, like this podcast is the mission of helping to teach and empower people that they have a greater healing ability than what they realize. And that's, you know, that's, that's the whole reason why we bring guests and experts on like yourself so that we can expand the knowledge base of our listeners so that they can realize really what they're able to go and help themselves with when they're given the right resources. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that's like my favorite model. I always tell
1: patients is nothing is going to fix your body better than it can fix itself. Like we can give it, you know, all these supplements, brain exercises, change the diet. But at the end of the day, like I tell them your body is going to do this. We just have to position it, uh, give it what it needs and put it in an environment of healing. I think that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls that I'll see for people is they might think, okay, I'll you know, um, and we'll get into the functional medicine. They're like, hey, I'll take this cool test. I'll do this cool things." They're like, but I'm still going to go to this job I hate 40 hours a week. Actually, I have to work unpaid overtime on the weekends, so it's more like 60 hours. I think that's 60 hours a week of doing something you hate. Your body's in this fight-or-flight response. It's not going to try to heal. It's not going to try to grow or repair. It's going to try to get through that 40 to 60 hours a week.
0: And I'm like, and that's a position that it's tough to be in, you know. Um, I couldn't agree more because, you know, there's the, the underlying stress. And I I think, especially if you take what the last couple of years has really brought with stress and the awareness of stress and the increase in anxiety and mood disorders, you know, I think that there's been a heightened awareness, but a, a great, a lack of understanding of the negative effects that stress can have on both kids and adults when they're in this perpetual nonstop state of stress and fight or flight. Oh yeah. I mean, that's usually one of the first things like, you know, of course, um, that the the
1: new virus going around you know everyone's talking about that and of course I get all the you know questions what should I take what should I do and my first thing I asked them is like how are you sleeping like Mm -hmm. are you actually like if I wanted to focus on someone's immune system to me sleep is you know you can eat the right diet do all these things but if you're staying up till two in the morning um, it's like stepping over $100 bills to pick up nickels like it doesn't make sense (laughs)
0: that might be one of the best analogies I've ever heard
1: (laughs) I mean you know but that's where that's kind of um, but that's that psyche because the problem Mm -hmm. with to me the problem with the stress response is we adapt so well to it half the time I have to convince people like no trust me you're stressed they're like well I feel fine I'm like yeah because you're adapting to it like you know that term resilient is you know being kicked around oh our kids are resilient we're working on resilience I'm like just because something is resilient doesn't mean you should keep like taxing that like just cuz you can doesn't mean you should right and just oh, cuz you should do it once doesn't mean you should do it over and over and over you know you were like bodybuilder so you know like you know and i equate health like i think of it like exercise like you got to you got to vary the intensity you got to vary the exercise what muscle group I was like if you just keep doing bicep curls eventually
0: you're going to like tear out your shoulder or elbow or something like you're going to get hurt So totally true. So totally true. And that's, that's a really good mindset to come from is that you can't, you know, what's the old saying, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. I mean, it's neurology is no different, right? You can only tax one system so much before that system becomes overtaxed and can no longer recover. I think it's a huge piece of it. So, so doc, doc, I want to step back for, for just a second before we dive deep, because man, we like, we're, we're getting heavy and heavy into this stuff already. I love this. So I would love for, for the Health of You listeners to get to know you a little bit because, you know, the, what drives you, what motivates you, what, what makes you who you are is the, the people that you love and who you care for. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners first where you're from and tell us about yourself and your family.
1: Yeah, I'm originally from Oklahoma. I moved back here. Um, I worked in Cincinnati in an office, She's um, almost eight years um, but, you know i realized i could do this online so i uh, i love being able to help people virtually they don't have to travel things like that especially if you don't feel good um but the big thing that got me into it because um we knew me in school i knew i was going to work with athletes like sure sitting here right
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but then i learned about functional medicine which is kind of more of that root cause analysis um because my girlfriends, well, fiance at the time, you know, we were told, well, you won't have kids, you know, just think about adopting or whatever, puppies, vacations, and that really hurt my heart, you know, and I didn't accept that, because she's 23 at the time, and I think, like, the, that's what, uh, you know, 23-year-old women do, they should be able to have a baby, like, to me, that's a big litmus test on um, the ability of the body to do something, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I love autoimmunity, and I work with a lot of women that say things like, I can't, I just keep, I have all these miscarriages. I have trouble staying pregnant. I'm like, it's not a hormone thing. I'm like, it's an immune system thing. Like, mm-hmm. you can't take that. Anyways, I um, have an eight-year-old daughter. We homeschool. I have a son that's 13 months. You might be able to hear him screaming at me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and then I realized, like, all those doctors put their limiting beliefs on what my wife's body could do. So, uh, you know, I ran this poop test. I had to figure out what I was even looking at there's all these big words and uh, anyways long story short we found out she had parasites we did a parasite cleanse got rid of those um, had her first cycle in five years just poof like that and she only oh, had wow. the one yeah she only had the one because uh, I thought we lost it you know because I was like hey you know you're about due for your cycle she's like oh didn't have it and I thought oh maybe we lost it you know may, maybe we're not done fixing your body It's um, she was pregnant. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it literally happened so fast. Um, and to me, that was like kind of the spark that started the fire, you know, and uh, her brother has Crohn's and we were able to get him off his medications and things. And after that point, I thought, I don't really care how fast like a 40 yard time with pads on is anymore. Like there's other doctors that can do stuff like athleticism and, you know, sports injuries way better than I can. Um, And I just felt the calling like, but this is what people need, because this chronic disease of like autoimmune and along the way I learned not only is my wife autoimmune, I'm autoimmune. And so that's my passion I actually have autoimmunity to my brain. Um, And I watched one grandmother die of Alzheimer's and a grandfather die of Parkinson's. Um, and so as my wife is holding my daughter, I, I just, in the back of my mind, I was thinking there's no way they can see me like that. Cause my grandma, it took her eight years to die. And I, it, it like pains me to say it, like you end up kind of hating that person. Cause it wasn't my grandma. It, her brain was just like deteriorating. So, you know, when you're like 13, it's hard to like love somebody that's hitting you while you're trying to change their diaper. Right. Um, So anyways, I was just thinking, like, there's no way, like, I have to do whatever I can to not go down that road. Because along the way, you know, you run these genes, like, oh, I have these APOE genes, I've had head injuries, I have autoimmunity to my nervous system, you know, so I still have these cards stacked against me. Um, But then I always remember, you know, because I teach clinicians how to do functional medicine and and functional neurology, Do I say, regardless of how many sick people we see, we always have to remind ourselves the capacity for the body to heal is like tremendous. Um, And what we know about stuff like neurodegeneration, we develop it in our thirties and forties. It's just the brain takes a beating, you know, and you don't really notice it until you're like in your sixties and your seventies. And finally it's broken down enough where it's just like, I can't anymore. Um, So that's kind of like my origin type of story, I guess. Um, And so uh, ever since then, I've just, been in the trenches um you know one of the stool test companies i use that it's funny because they they brag i guess they bragged about it but they were like you have the largest like accounts in all of north america like nobody's seen more poop tests than you and i was just like cool um <laughs> I guess i talk about poop a lot you know but when we think about autoimmunity you know they always say you know fix the gut fix the gut and those three words have become so nonchalant that for someone that like you know for autoimmunity that's our focus one of the primary ones is usually like all right what's going on in the GI tract um it takes a lot it's way more than probiotics and glutamine (laughs) um to actually fix the GI tract you know it's like it's like turning the titanic it's this monstrous system that just takes a lot of attention but the goal I always have with patients is what can we do that's simple because um, we love to get complexity, right? You know, the, the more complex the disease process, like autoimmunity, the more we're like, oh, we have to get complex. And I say, I, I haven't found that to be the case. Um, usually when I review somebody's records and, you know, we're going through it, you know, say they have MS or RA and we're like, all right, what's going on? I usually find they missed um, very foundational things. It's kind of what I call the duh moment. You know, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, duh. Um, And I just tell people, it's really hard to go back from that. So we try to focus on, can we not have any duh moments? Maybe we're missing something very basic, which if that is a foundational component isn't there, then when we try to get super fancy with, let's do all these maybe testing and this, that, and the other, as soon as you quit, it goes right back. And to me, that's what I would consider a failed case. Like, I love it when my patients are like, hey, I quit taking these supplements. I ate a food. I wasn't you know, it was on the no, no list. And they're like, I feel fine. And I'm like, cool, you actually fixed something. We didn't just hold you together with a few supplements and, you know, get afraid of food. Um, and like, and then just avoid food the rest of your life. Cause to me, that's not always the best uh, strategy either. And not very sustainable either for that, for that matter. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of the people I see like, you know, SIBO, right? Like it's like, who doesn't have SIBO (laughs) With, (laughs) with the stress? Um, Spoiler alert, SIBO, in my opinion, is like always secondary. I mean, the recurrence rate after antibiotics is something like 90 some percent. Um, but, but I see someone with chronic stress and they're like, yeah, I bloat when I eat fiber. I'm like, well, yeah, because you're stressed. You're not really trying to digest food right now. Um, but anyways, you know, when I see them, they've always painted themselves in this corner. They're like, "Well, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And, you know, without getting super sciency. If we look at people that actually did the human microbiome project, like the nerds that looked at the human gut, started to try to figure all this stuff out, no one can agree what a healthy GI tract looks like. It's not like blood work. Trust me on that, where everyone's blood sugar should be the same. No, you know, what could be my perfect GI tract could be your slowest poison, Scott. Yeah. So when we look at that, what they found though, and what I agree with is they're like, well, diversity is key. The best way to help the GI tract is to have a diversity of bacteria. The best way to encourage that is the diversity of fiber. Just eat different fruits and vegetables, basically. And I think, wow, that's simple. you know. But then we take someone on maybe this low FODMAP, low histamine diet. They're eating like five foods. And I say, you're in this food corner. And immunologically, you've painted your way in this corner. It's going to be very hard to get out of because now your immune system might hate that food. It might forget that it's just a food. And you lose what's called an oral tolerance. And now people just respond to everything they try to eat and they can't reintroduce foods. So um, to me, the true litmus test of fixing something like someone's immune system, if they have autoimmunity or actually fixing their gut is when we can provoke it and we don't get the same response. And they'll say things like, yeah, I was able to eat that. I didn't bloat. You know, my brain fog didn't come back or my joints didn't hurt or whatever.
0: Maybe their autoimmune kind of manifestation might be. You know, that's really profound because, that, you know, there's, there's this link that is as you're talking through this, right, I'm seeing the links between the physiology and the immune system and the neurology really like being highlighted. You know, you, you, said, something, you said something that I think I want to come back and revisit because, you know, you, you talk obviously about the functional med side and you have this huge background in functional neurology. I, I want to talk a little bit about those because functional medicine is something that I think a lot of people are relatively familiar with at this point in time. Um, But functional neurology, can we spend a minute talking about that and link those two things together for the listeners?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So with functional neurology, that's kind of uh, what everybody collectively calls neuroplastic therapies. Uh, Neuroplasticity, so the definition of that big word is uh, basically you can teach an old dog new tricks. Um, We can grow connections in the brain through proper stimulation. Uh, I I just tell people, think of me like a personal trainer for the brain as well. So then if we might have, you know, um, back to autoimmunity, like a kid with pandas, kid with autism, um, we know those are basically autoimmune diseases, uh, especially pandas. Like that's the definition of a true neurological autoimmune disease, like, you know, attacked. uh, You know, the brain gets attacked. It thinks it's attacking a bacteria. but Then it starts to attack the brain anyways. So we might find an area of the brain that's, you know, maybe not functioning as well. And MRIs show up normal, right? Like you don't have a stroke, you don't have a tumor. We're like, thank God. Uh, but it doesn't show the function. So when we maybe look at somebody's function, you know, we think, well, can a kid maybe inhibit something? Can they not try to push their brother in front of a bus or something like that? I, like I like that's a pandas kid. Like I've seen, they get violent. So any parent out there who's like, hey, my kid woke up different. It was like a light switch. I mean, they tell me that every week. Like, yep, my kid woke up different. I'm like, that sounds like pandas. Um, but anyways, so we can metabolically help heal these things. You know, let's get the immune system to quit attacking the brain, get rid of those triggers that initially caused it. But how do we stimulate that part of the brain to function again? You know, so then we'll start to evaluate it. And you can do this over Zoom. Like I worked virtual for like years. Um, so, you know, when you're properly trained, uh, I just say there's things you can't not see. Like the goal I have when I work with parents, I tell them like, I want you to know more than your neurologist, just without all the big words. Um, cause you know, nothing against that allopathic training, but the neurologist is, for example, only worried about the neck up. They're not worried really about gut health or they're not worried about immune tolerance. And that's okay. That's not their wheelhouse. Um, You know, so we have these specialists. But I think what most people need is what I kind of call a super generalist, you know, like that old saying, um, Jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, Most people don't actually finish that quote. It says Jack of all trades, master of none is usually better than a master of one. Good quote. (laughs) Yeah, I really love that quote, because like, you know, can I do like neurosurgery? No, absolutely not. You don't want me to do that. Um, But the goal I would have is say, well, hey, let's try to fix your brain. So you don't need that sort of thing. Right? Or let's maybe fix your immune system. So with functional neurology, we'll start finding these, you know, maybe neuroplastic therapies. And it seems weird. Like you're getting into it, right, Dr. Scott? And yep. half the time, these parents are like, this is going to help my kid make eye contact and talk and poop in toilets. And I'm like, just give me a few weeks, trust me. Because I'm like, the OT you've been doing for three years hasn't worked and you're still doing it. So again, definition of insanity, like, hey, let's do something different, right? Yep. Um, you know, and, and it's it's really kind of crazy because it happens so fast sometimes. You know, that's
0: why I'm always amazed. Like, wow, the body can heal so much. Well, and I think that's one of the most profound things is that a lot of people get stuck in into this cycle of thinking that things will never get better and that, you know, we're just going to have to only go down these these one or two routes and there's not an alternative. But, you know, when in practices you're, like yours and in practices like mine, we've seen things that really expand that thought process. Because when you come at it from a different lens, when you come at it from a different viewpoint, you can introduce really vastly different and very powerful ways to go and simulate both the physiology and the neurology to make change and begin to make change pretty rapidly. But I think that a lot of times that it gets either overlooked or poo-pooed in a lot of the traditional allopathic settings, and not because it's not something that would be recognized, it's because they're just not aware.
1: Yeah, you know, and you don't know what you don't know, right? And, um and that's to me like the ultimate misery like I tell people if, if functional medicine's the black sheep of the family functional neurology is like the purple sheep of the family like most people don't know it exists and to me that's the ultimate like because I watch these kids you know I love I love working with kids more than anything like um it's nice when someone with Crohn's is like yeah I got off my meds you know maybe they're 50 and I'm like that's cool but to me when a three-year-old is like hey he, they started talking hey they started pooping like they're doing stuff a three-year-old does, they got invited to a party. I start to think, cool, we got that kid's life back. Um, and to me, that's the biggest impact that we can make, or at least I can make, is, um, you know, helping children that need that. Um,
0: because, well, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, and I want to speak to that for just one second, because I completely agree with what you said there, because I think in 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 that, I think what what is oftentimes not necessarily, you know, being addressed appropriately is that, you know, behind every child that's not pooping, behind, behind every child that's not making eye contact, behind every child that's having meltdowns and having emotional dysregulation is a parent who's watching their child suffer, who's watching this child saying, I know they've got the potential. What can we do to help them? Who's trying to find resources who, you know, it's the impact of the stress on the family, on the mom, the dad, the financial, the physical, the emotional strain that it creates on them. It, it's oftentimes a casualty to all of this. Oh, you know so if you help the child you help an entire family to have a better quality of life by helping helping to improve that child's quality of life. Oh absolutely. I mean and
1: that's to me um the sad reality of the situation, you know, because we talk about the boomers and you know all the nursing homes opening up. And I just look at my wife and I I say, you know, we have kind of these conversations because obviously we talk about this sort of stuff and just like they're never gonna close those down. Those are gonna become adult care centers for all the autistic kids. Because all so these true. kids are growing up. I mean I have one autistic patient that's older than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't always have to be like four or five years old. Um but yeah, you know you hit the nail on the head like mom or dad has to quit the job. You know, we can't afford you know home care health. I have to be an unpaid healthcare worker basically at this point. And mm-hmm. you know nobody's really designed to do that. But Yeah, the emotional stress, I would say, um, can be astronomical. Like, I'm helping one family right now, um, you know, with the the mom. uh, They have three autistic boys. Two of them are twins. One's a little bit older. Um, But, you know, that's her main goal. All she said to me was, I don't want to have to worry about who's going to take care of my kids when we're gone. And I was like, I feel you on that you know, because that's a big concern. And, you know, uh, as a practitioner, that's kind of in the trenches, so to speak, I would say this wave is already here. People are like, well, you know, in the next few years, I'm like, it's happening right now. It's just, you know, nobody's really piecing together the dots. I was like, but at the current rate of, you know, we'll just use autism. Um, I hope the predictions are wrong, but at the current rate we're going, uh, it's starting to To way way more common i think we're what like one in 30 some males when just a couple Mm of decades ago it was like what's autism you know like nobody even knew what it was oh like rain man you know type deal like that was the poster child was like watching rain man and then everyone's like oh that's what autism is i'm like "Uh, kind of you know (laughs) like a mild case um yeah and you know that's where back to like changing the titanic i think man if we can just get a hold of these kids younger or uh, because like you like back to autoimmunity like um you know i shared earlier before recording like in one study eight out of ten kids with autism had antibodies to myelin basic protein like we would view multiple sclerosis or ms um and, you know, I just think, well, if we're going to turn that around, we got to do more than like, here's a special grip pencil to try to, you know, hold your pencil like this. Um, <laughs> it's just going to take way
0: more than that. Amen. Amen. And that's, you know, that's it's such a, it's such a heavy topic, especially when you start getting into the world of, of neurodevelopmental disorders. And I actually think maybe what we could even do is make that into like a whole separate episode where we can dive deeper into this. Because this is one I think we could just spend hours potentially talking about all things that come with it because i i i love this topic i do have a couple of other things i want to jump into with you because there's just so much that you know because a lot of the episode here was really driven by questions yeah you know there's so many people out there that are dealing with autoimmunity so let's let me ask you kind of a redirect back to the autoimmune side so what are what are some of the most common autoimmune diseases that you see this uh, these days oh gosh um Usually the female
1: dominant ones, Hashimoto's being like high on the list, which is like thyroid, um, a lot of Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Graves, kind of like the other side of the coin. I see a lot of neurological autoimmunity, um, pandas, PANS, uh, MS, things like that. Um, not a big, ALS is something totally different. Whew, that's a, it's a tough nut to crack. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then, you know, like psoriasis, the thing is there's like 120 autoimmune diseases out there that we know of, right? (laughs) Like they're still finding them. Um, so pro tip, you don't want anything ever named after you. Um, that's not a good place to be. You were like literally the one in 10 million that they found it in or something like that. But when you're the one in 10 million, that's the only one that matters. Um, so I kind of see all of, I would say, you know, there's very common ones. But And that's where what I try to reiterate to patients is we don't want to focus on that label, like, oh, you, you, Crohn's disease, because in the allopathic model, they say, okay, you have Crohn's disease, here's your diagnosis, it, and nothing against it, you know, here's medication one, did that work? Yes or no? And it becomes like this kind of like just, you know, algorithm type of medicine. Um, and that's really not the case. You know, because if we look at autoimmunity, I say we want to forget that label because all we're doing is we've identified the victim of the process. Your immune system is in Crohn's, you know, attacking your GI lining. But it doesn't tell us why this is happening by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not anti-drugs. Like I have patients take rounds of steroids, you know, if their lupuses flaring and stuff. So I'm not anti-medication by any stretch. But I let them know like, hey, if you have Crohn's, most likely this was caused by an infection in your GI tract. If you take an immune suppressing drug, do you think that can help you fight the infection better or worse? And they just kind of look at me and they say worse. And I'm like, exactly. So while we're maybe decreasing the symptoms, which can be OK, because you don't want to you know, lose your GI tract due to your own immune system. I say, but it's not really getting to the bottom of it. And that's what we need to start focusing on. Why is this happening? What can we do to, to me, it starts to turn into simple math, pluses and minuses, like what's getting in the way? What do they need more of? Um, It's just what I find is the biggest predictor, I would say, of success isn't um, how many tests and how many pills somebody takes. I would say it's probably their attitude and their support structure. You know, because if uh, a nobody was ever meant to be alone, right, if, if somebody is dealing with chronic disease, and this is where it can start to get really depressing, for lack of a better word, you know, they're, oh, my mom's uh, not going to take care of me, my dad thinks I'm lying, none of my friends want to hang out with me anymore, you start to, you know, if you don't feel good, you inadvertently start to repel other people from you, and you start to feel kind of isolated. And that's a bad place to be. Um, but then I say, you know, what if somebody's like growling through the diet changes and oh, I got to do this brain exercise? I say, well, that's the wrong attitude. You know, I just describe it as if I stayed out all night, I didn't tell my wife where I was. But if I come home with a dozen roses, I mean, that dozen roses is cool, but it's not going to make up for me being out all night. Mm-mm. So, you know, back to attitude if someone's like, Oh, I hate this diet. I hate doing that. I'm like, that's not really the best attitude to have. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter who you see, you can see, you know, quote unquote, the best in the entire world. Um, so what, what I don't want to do is, um, make people feel like we're going to throw them under the bus, right? Like, well, it's your fault. You're sick. I'd say, no, it's not. You are inadvertently maybe doing something that nobody ever educated you could be making you sick. Like with autoimmune disease, the first thing I tell people is, cut out gluten and casein, gluten and dairy. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, because HLA genes, the genes for autoimmunity are the genes for gluten sensitivity. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So like, the first thing you should probably do is if, you know, if you eat, you know, total for breakfast, like a cereal, and if you have a sandwich for lunch and a roll with dinner, like you could have potentially just ate poison for your immune system basically three times that day. And if nobody ever mentioned that, like, that's a big problem. Um, so usually we'll start with kind of these, uh, easier, like lower hanging fruit, like, Hey, this is back to those "duh" moments. Like, Hey, nobody's ever mentioned this. Like maybe we should just try to quit, pour, uh, quit pouring fuel on a fire instead of add more fire extinguishers. Let's see what we get by maybe eliminating things, you know, cause food, uh, definitely affects a lot of autoimmunity. Um, what we eat, what we don't eat. And honestly, um, When I hear somebody flaring or whatever, regardless of their autoimmune disease, if they can fast, that's usually my first advice to them. Um, A lot of people get like, you know, reactive hypoglycemic, they get shaky, they get irritable between meals. And that's a whole nother uh, issue we need to address with them because they can't produce energy. Um, But fasting, I would say is bar none, uh, like the most anti-inflammatory thing somebody can do from a diet perspective, because what we do is. We have all these broken parts, like inside of our cells and stuff. I just say if energy's not coming in, the body's going to find a way to create energy. It will, trust me. Um, so it starts looking around, like inside these cells. And I say, think of it like if you had two bicycles you couldn't ride. What if you cannibalize them for parts and build a bicycle that you can ride, and then you sell those other parts for money? That's exactly what your body starts to do. It's like, well, this cell's kind of broken. These mitochondria in this cell aren't working at all. Let's just get rid of all this stuff. It's not good anyway. And when we start to think about that, especially with the immune system, I just tell my patients, the reason those cells are being destroyed anyways is usually because of the immune system. Maybe you have some heavy metals or an infection or something and the immune system is just trying to clean this thing up. And so we can really focus on that cleaning process uh, sometimes simply by not eating. Like back to longevity and kind of at the beginning, like, hey, I don't want to die of Alzheimer's. Um, sleeping is definitely super important. Uh, but I would say by that token, well, blood sugar and stuff. But what we know is um, one of the best things anyone can do for their health, regardless of what chronic disease they're dealing with, go without food a few days, a couple times a week. Like, to me, uh, the long-term strategies I have for my autoimmune patients, because I tell them, like, I never want to have to see you again after I fix you. That means we didn't fix anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to give them these strategies. And I say, if you can go without food for two to three days at a time, three or four times a year, like, better than any supplement, you can keep buying off the internet. Trust me on that. Um, Even if it's a good autoimmune supplement for you or whatever, uh, because we can't, you know, they're supplements, they're not replacements. And if we can actually position our body to heal with something like a fast, wow. I mean, I've seen a, a guy with Crohn's, his CRP was like in the 50s, which uh, for record is very, very, very high. And he was on steroids and it wasn't touching. His CRP is still high, which means he's still losing his intestines. Like they're being destroyed. That marker CRP just shows a cell exploding, basically. Anyways, we got him to do a three-day fast. And it wasn't perfect, but it dropped down to like an eight. Yeah, especially when you think, well, steroids weren't doing it, because uh, I don't know drugs stronger than steroids for shedding. that I mean, they do have a few, but they're not probably going to go there. Um, <laughs> not those types of meds. So that's where when you think, wow, steroids did that. Um, but then, you know, when it is huge, I think, wow, his body was able to do that in three days. That's
0: Well, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, the fasting more from like the weight loss perspective, but not, not always in the context of the healing perspective. And that's, you know, one of the things that really interests me about, about fasting in general is, is just, there's so much research coming out on longevity studies and immune studies that, that really show the tremendous benefits. But when you look at it from the autoimmune perspective, in a lot of ways, it allows you almost like a reset of the immune system, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I kind of break it down to, um, is, you know, if we can just hit a reset, because then, you know, your, your immune system is not having to pick through all these foods, like, do I like it? Do I not like it? And healing, you know, anabolism growth, you know, that gets a bad rap, because everyone thinks anabolic steroids, I would say, growing tissue is inflammatory in nature, like that's, Just no, there's no two ways about it. Right. And, you know, back to like anabolic steroids, I just tell people the the reason why people gain so much weight is they just heal faster because it helps with inflammation. Like that's literally how they work. Um, So of course, you're not going to gain like 10 pounds of muscle in a couple months fasting, um, (laughs) you know, but when we think of, yeah, positioning the body to be able to heal, it's not doing all these inflammatory things. It's actually focusing more on healing growth and repair. Um, you know, cause since we're on the subject, like I, I actually tell my patients, we have two distinct metabolisms. We have a summer metabolism. We have a winter metabolism, um, getting cold exposure. Ooh, that's really, really good too for the immune system. Um, Not if you have Raynaud's, right? Then you never want to get cold. Your like, fingers hurt. And pro tip, if you have Raynaud's, which is a phenomenon. So syndromes are bad, right? Like you don't want to be diagnosed with a syndrome. That's kind of bad. Uh, If you have a phenomenon, I say they don't even know what the hell is going on, right? They're just like, well, it's a phenomenon. Uh, You most likely have either a bacteria called mycoplasma pneumoniae uh, or mold toxins. I would peg either of those two for Raynaud's before like we start to try to get maybe into, you know, really technical stuff. Um, But anyways, like, so I tell my patients, like think about winter, you know, the way it would really be if we didn't have, you know, a, a heater, if we didn't have all these like, you know, refrigerators and supermarkets, I'm like, what would we be eating? Back to eating a variety of food. I tell my patients, if it was available and you wanted to live, If those two answers were yes, then you ate that food. It didn't care. You don't care how good it tasted or anything like that. It was food and you could eat it. Um, So like now the criteria is, well, you know, I really don't like that flavor of chips. Um, And and so we don't have that kind of, uh, you know, scarcity anymore. But back to that winter metabolism, I say now is the perfect time to start fasting, to get cold exposure, because if we look at the way a cell behaves, um, what's called the cell danger response, which is a really cool term that got coined by Dr. Robert Navio, I'd say about 2015. Um, just uh, back to like maybe fasting or getting cold exposure or maybe some good vagus nerve stimulation, which that's like gaining more and more traction. Um, then I would just say like those are... Uh, to mimic those effects, you would have to take like a handful of pills or supplements, and it wouldn't even do the job nearly as well.
0: That's, that's pretty interesting and very powerful advice because, you know, when you start looking at the changes that you can create by using fasting, changes in body temperature, you know, the, obviously the, the momentum is, is starting to become very prominent for recognition of these things. I mean, if you were to go in social, you're seeing people talking about like the cold plunges and, and the importance of doing those on a consistent basis. I actually have a patient right now who's doing a thing called um, the Exodus 90. And it's, it's part of the, the requirement for the, the Exodus 90 program is for 90 days every day, um, he must take a cold shower instead of warm shower. But literally it's, yeah. it's one part of mental discipline, but the other part of it is to bring down inflammation in the body.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where like, like, um, Because when I was a strength coach and personal trainer, I would tell people stimulate, don't annihilate. And I say the same thing, like, you know, if we think of fasting, like, hey, if you can't go three days of fasting, if you're like, oh, I was only able to go 24 hours without eating, I'm like, that's still a lot better than, you know, no hours. Let's focus on how we can win versus, you know, looking for a way to lose. Some people try to find a way to lose, I find, instead of like, let's focus on the positives, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, back to the cold showers, because it is a big psychological thing. I usually tell people like, just start with exercise like you would, you know, intensity is low. It's not that cold. I didn't do it for that long. And I say that's fine. You know, maybe next week you can do it a little colder, a little longer, you know, a little colder, a little longer until, um, like I have some patients that'll apply like a lot of the Wim Hof breathing and everything. I mean, they'll have like a 60 second exhalation. and Yeah, they're doing really good. It's actually this uh, 32 year old male. He has ulcerative colitis and Parkinson's. He's the youngest guy ever with Parkinson's I've worked with. I told him like, usually like my Parkinson's patients are like, you know, 60s and 70s. Anyways, with the functional neurology, his tremors and everything, they were gone within like a month. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah. And we were able to get him off his meds too. Um, But he hated those cold showers, you know, but now that he's worked up to it, he's like, it's kind of addicting. He's like, my brain feels so much better. Like I feel clear. I feel crisp. He's like, I'm not even really hungry until lunch anyways now. Um, so we're including more of that intermittent fasting and things. Um, and you know, I, I'm going to be sitting down with him in a few weeks uh, to review the retesting. Um, but then I tell him like, this is, uh, the part of where we try to, you know, kind of tie up those loose ends with autoimmunity and, and neurodegeneration. Like, What's, you know, less dietary restrictions we can make? What's less supplements we can take? What's less brain exercises we can do? And can we still note the progress that you've made uh, without continually trying to just dump into that system? You know, I just tell people, have we truly fixed it? Have we just held you together? We're
0: both shooting for like, you know, truly fixing something. That's awesome. You know, doc, you've really, you spent quite a bit of time and you've gone through a lot of great information, a lot of great, great clinical pearls. So, you know, in talking about the way that you work with patients, I would love it if you could talk a little bit more in depth about what is your process? Because to get to a place where you've got enough clinical information to theorize how to go and help somebody with these complex conditions, the process of getting to that point. There's a lot involved with that. So, can you break down what the steps are that a, that a patient of yours would go through to go from A to Z?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I always tell people like, first I, I work with people over time, like eight to twelve months. I have a longer type of program, and I just say, and that's fine. You know, it's a lot of work. It's, it's autoimmunity. You know, <laughs> it takes a lot. Um, but we want to have a realistic time frame, realistic expectations. You know, the first step might be, you know, fixing the gut, and like that could take like three or four months sometimes um but so i I like to start with uh typically what i call it's called a discovery call you know and basically the three questions we want to answer are can i help somebody are they going to do what it takes do we like each other like you know those are to me the big three things um because we don't want to, you know, we want to be efficient, but we don't want to cut any corners. So if someone's like, well, I can't do this test, or I can't do that, and i would say, hey, that, you know, that's okay, but think of it like building a house, you know, if you're like, well, I can't put windows in it, like, well, that's kind of a big deal, right? Um, So we start with that discovery call, making sure it's going to be a good journey for everyone. Uh, Then I start, uh, after that, we'll schedule an initial visit. Each visit I have is an hour long, and we do it over Zoom, and this is where I do a case review, because I don't want to repeat testing that's already been done i say if you've already like ran a test you know a month ago uh, and i was going to recommend you know similar testing like i don't care whose name is on the test uh, but i say if we can do a good case review and with something like autoimmunity if we know where someone has been and where they're at it's easier then to know where do we need to go um so then after that we'll start uh you know, this is what we're thinking. Here's maybe some dietary things. Here's some further testing that uh, we might need to do. Usually what's called functional testing or special testing, um, like back to the MRIs or something, um, you know, it's not running more of those. Uh, but then uh, since I love involving the brain, I'll start doing a neurological kind of functional evaluation over Zoom and, and uh, part of my intake form is where they fill out like this very specific questionnaire about different parts of their brain. Uh, So then, you know, maybe back to the kid with autism or pandas uh, when we're waiting on the test results, which can take a few weeks. I love for parents to say things like, Oh my gosh, you pooped for the first time in a toilet ever. And like, cool. We didn't try a poop supplement for that. You know, we didn't try more fiber and it was a brain issue for that child. Um, And that's where I think, cool. It didn't take a pill to do that. Uh, You know, but then we think, well, why were they having trouble maybe knowing the poop or or the thought process behind it or withholding, you know, we'll see some of those behaviors. Um, And then, you know, uh, basically, I just say we plan the work and we work the plan to find out what's going on, what do we need to fix, and then we'll have follow ups, usually about once a month uh, making sure everything's tracking along. Cause I just tell people, you know, as the body heals, it heals. It's usually not going to do things like, Oh, my hair quit falling out. My joints quit hurting. I'm losing weight. Oh, but I'm still not sleeping at night. Like it usually, like usually once the body starts to change its direction, we kind of see everything going in the proper way. Uh, but we do want to make sure, you know, is there maybe a way to support somebody better in a certain aspect of their care, uh, just so everything tracks or, or, Maybe is there something that we need to do differently? You know, um, cause I've seen, gosh, I don't know. I forget how many autoimmune patients, but I always tell them like, well, I've never met you before. So I know Crohn's disease in and out. Like I've read so many articles about it, seen so many people with it, but I've never seen you before. So we're not going to focus on Crohn's. We're going to focus on you and creating health. Um, and then, uh, Basically, I tell them by that eighth and last visit, my goal for you is to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and to be less dependent on physicians such as myself or anyone in general. Um, Just because of autoimmunity, you know, I would be hesitant to use the word cure. Um, The FDA actually owns that word, but we might call it long-term remission, right? Like I have uh, antibodies to myelin basic protein, but I have zero symptoms of MS. And I work hard to do that. Well, I don't work hard. I work smart, right? Um, so that's where, like, I don't stay up late, I don't consume alcohol, I don't eat certain foods, I don't spike my blood sugar, like, I just don't do those things, because to me, it's not worth it, um, you know, but we have to find out what's that recipe for somebody, um, and what can we do to really make it doable, because I just say, if I give you a perfect plan on paper, and somebody can't follow it, the value is now nothing, but if we're like, hey, this is a really good diet, this is really good plan, easy to follow, yeah, and they're like, yeah, I can do this for several months. I'm like, cool, now the value is way higher than what looks maybe perfect on paper, but what's unachievable maybe either in the timing, like I can't spend all day cooking, I'm not like Bobby Flay. Um, so we want to make sure we meet people where they're at too, because everyone's on kind of that different phase of their journey. Some parents don't even know what gluten-free is. Other parents are like, oh, we've been gluten-free for like five years.
0: And I'm like, cool, we don't have to discuss that then now. You know, I, I want to circle back to a couple of things that you said that I think were really powerful. You know, when, when you said that you've worked with many, many patients who've had Crohn's but they've never worked with you, that was a profound statement because, you know, when you, when you think about a, a person who's going through with Crohn's, even though they might be expressing a set of symptoms, their body is still different than everybody else's. and I, oh. I think that a lot of people don't realize that because they think that it's just, everything is just this one particular common pathway that gets everyone there to the exact same place. And then boom, and then all treatments are cookie cutter. And it doesn't really work like that at all. You have to understand that person's physiology, what is going on and then come in with specific ideas on how to go and improve their physiology instead of coming in with a one size fits all cookie cutter plan. Right? Yeah.
1: I wish it was that easy. I tell them too, like if it was just like, here, take this pill. Chromes is better. Like I would tell you about it first. Trust me. Like you know, <laughs> I, I wish it was that simple, um, but yeah, and that's just where um, you know it's always an N of one, right? Like everyone's always going to be an individual. I just let people know, like how different, for example, me and you look on the outside. You know, we're we're pretty similar. We're both Caucasian. You know, we're about the same age. I was like, but we look different on the outside. I guarantee we're a hundred times more different on the inside.
0: Amen, amen. You know, the other thing that you said, which I think is also incredibly important, and and I think this is where, this is where the importance of kind of that deep dive, um, but the doctor's understanding that this has to be livable, and then the patient's ability to implement the plan, because. You can have the best written plan, but if you can't comply with it, then the chance of success is next to zero. And so I love the fact that you put the emphasis on also making sure that the plan is something that the patient can live by so they can achieve small but increasing successes over the course of their journey. Yeah,
1: and that's... Um... To me, part of that, like, can they do what it takes, you know, type deal, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always revolve around the finances, um, you know, but I just say, like, we want to make sure it's good time, right, for everything, like, you know, when you proposed to Lena, it was, it was the timing thing, too, you didn't, like, propose right out of the gate, um, but yeah, meeting people where they're at, especially with the brain exercises, you know, as you're getting more versed in functional neurology, I just tell the parents like brain games are better played than brain exercises. If it's fun and exciting and time with dad doing ninja warrior training or whatever we want to call it to make it fun, the odds of them doing that are better versus, oh, that was a big old argument to get him to do those eye exercises or hand or whatever, you know, whatever the sensation or input. For the nervous system we find is right for that child. Like, uh, then it's an argument. Then it's maybe an argument three times a day, right? So I'll just tell patients, uh, like, or the parents, like, hey, if they're not gonna do this, like, I'm not married to the solution, let's find something they like to do then. Um, so there, I don't want to say it's like trial and error, but back to that customization, we do have to kind of just see, hey, is this working as well as we assumed it would? Uh, you know, if they don't want to play the games or do this, like what else can we do? Because um, I have I've found as a clinician, if I'm like married to the solution, like Sigler's method, which I don't have, um, then everybody has to fit in that method, right? There's like no ability to alter that.
0: So true. So true. And and the, the real key to being a good clinician is being able to come up with new solutions to the problems that your patients present with. Yeah. I mean,
1: I personally don't believe in uh, evolution, but if you look at Darwin, I agree with what he said when he said, it's not the strength or an intelligence that determines which members of a species survive its their ability to adapt.
0: Profound words, profound uh, words. Yeah. Right? Cause if you look at it,
1: right. Yeah. It's not like the strongest gorillas aren't always the ones that make it. It's the ones that were able to adapt to what was going on around them. Yep. Um, and I think that ability to adapt, uh, you know, if we look at chronic disease, that's something that we notice a huge, what I call like metabolic, like I look for metabolic flexibility. These people are metabolically very rigid. They can't handle more immune stuff. Anything goes wrong. Their body just can't take it. It can't adapt anymore. Even something maybe simple like exercise. Um, But then the more flexible somebody gets, then they might be able to say things like their immune system gets flexible, right? Oh, I didn't have these allergies. I was able to eat this and I didn't notice like my mouth itch. Or maybe their cells get more flexible and they don't get like, you know, that reactive hypoglycemia. Because I tell like back to the diabetics, you know, keto, I guess, is still a craze. Um, but if people like, yeah, I avoided carbs and I lost 30 pounds and my migraines went away, I'm like, go eat a carb. And then if it comes right back, you didn't fix anything. You just avoided carbs. Um, but by the same thing, you know, I want people's cells, you know, high fat, high protein, high carbs, no food. Can your, can your body and your cells like still work based on an adapting environment? And so, um. You know, back to like maybe the fasting, like a lot of the pitfalls I'll see is people like, oh, I get shaky and irritable, like if I go longer than four hours without eating. And I'm like, You're very rigid. You're like zero flexibility there. So our goal is to can we get to maybe six hours? Can we get to eight hours? Like, can we just start to again maybe meet someone where they're
0: at and just kind of open these things up as their body tolerates it? That's awesome. So much value in what you said there. And and I think I think that's really something that I want as a take home point for all of you is that, you know, healing is a process. Healing is also going to require work and it's going to require tweaking because it's not a straight line. You know, we don't become sick overnight and we also certainly don't heal overnight. So that's that's where so much of the journey is helping to find the ways to get your body to grow the ability to heal. And that that's, I think, a big piece of the takeaways from what we've talked about. So, so, Dr. Jared, I'd love to go and take take – just kind of a look back at your career so far. And I know all of us have those ones where we're like, wow, that, that is my favorite or one of my favorite stories. I would love it if you could share with us your, your favorite or one of your favorite success stories.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, well, my wife would have to be my favorite because I have kids because of that. Um, Amen. <laughs> no, I would say, honestly, um, I'll never forget. It was actually my first autistic patient. Um, cause I helped the mom, she had rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. So she was, you know, one of those people blessed with both. Um, and she's like, Hey, my kids never talked. He was eight at the time. And, um, I, I straight up, cause I, I am always transparent. I never want to give anyone false hope. I said, I've never worked with autistic kids like this. I can't guarantee I can make him talk, but I guarantee we'll focus on healing his body. So we did, um, Then I remember within a few months, his mom sent me a recording of him repeating. He had this thing called echolalia, where he would simply repeat what was being said and not generate his own, uh, you know, but to the mom that's never heard it, she's like, this is music to my ears. I have never heard his voice before. So I'm like crying, like I got to watch the video a few times to let it sink in. And then the, the clinician in me is like, why won't he say his own sentences? Like, why isn't he answering with yes or no or something like that? So then I dove into functional neurology. I remember my first seminar. I actually, um, I told my wife, I was like, I don't think I'm smart enough for this. I was like, it's too hard. There's too many big words. Like you remember neuroanatomy in school. Oh my (laughs) God. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I said, no, this, I was like, they deserve better. I was like, I know I can do this for them. Um, So I just kept at it. And, you know, then we were able to get him to start saying his own sentences. And now he's like, geez, he's like 13 and people are like, he's autistic. Like, cause then it becomes a goal, like, well, how can we get rid of this pre-existing condition? Cause my kid doesn't need to be in like an IEP or special ed anymore. Like, you know, Um, but to me, that's when it first became real, like, wow, like uh, this can heal, especially, uh, you know, that mom was told like, Hey, you're probably never going to hear your kid's voice. And to me, that's like that self-limiting belief. I find that hugely offensive when a doctor or anyone puts their limiting beliefs on someone else's physiology like you know the easiest example is like an oncologist they're like we have three years to live i'm like how the heck do you know that like how could you even say that like you have three years like i get it you have experience but you can't guarantee that in 36 months this person's going to die like they could be cured within a few months technically if you know because um and not to get on the, the high horse, but i say, you know, we know cancer is a metabolic process. It's not a disease. You don't catch it like a cold. Um, so if a metabolic process created it, why can't we create a metabolic process that gets
0: rid of it? So very true. Boy, that could be, that could be a whole episode in itself, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: just for everyone listening, I don't take active cancer patients just because there's, um, it's, there's a lot of pans in the fire. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, that's just <laughs> kind of one of those things, you know. Um, but all that to say, like, in the, then with the functional neurology, you know, that was kind of the, the first, you never forget your first, right? Yeah. Um, and then I, I call them oh crap moments in my own head whenever we, because neuroplasticity happens real time. So we'll immediately some, see something change on, maybe we re-exam a part of the brain. And I'm just like, holy crap, it worked, you know? And I can see on their face, jaws dropping, they're like, holy crap, you know? Um, and I think,
0: yeah, we can do this. We can grow those connections and change their brain function. And that's the coolest feeling in the whole world, when you see that there is that changeability there inside of a, a young mind. and you can. And you can start to help it grow.
1: Yeah. And oh my gosh, some of these kids are so freaking funny. Like They have the best <laughs> jokes ever. Like, I'm like, you're a really funny kid. I'm glad <laughs> you can talk, you know, um, hey, getting new material type stuff.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Dr. Jared, now I know that obviously anybody who's listening to this has to be thinking, boy, this might be something I need to look into. So I would love if you could share with us, number one, a special call to action. Do you have a call to action for our patients or our listeners that are, are here listening to this podcast today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of my major missions, I know the focus here was autoimmunity is to educate people that their brain can change. I have this online course, it's free called 21 Brain Days. Uh, just go to 21braindays.com. And um, ho- uh, hopefully, I uh, haven't heard anybody say they haven't learned a lot. But that's where, you know, when maybe people have these symptoms of, anxiety or trouble focusing or dizziness to start to view that uh, maybe under a different lens Um, but then like so then it doesn't seem so weird like well I don't know why this is happening because if nobody can connect the dots for you it seems very frustrating and scary Um, so I really like to just expose people to like hey here's some cool stuff you can do to evaluate different parts of your brain at home here's easy ways to stimulate that too and usually what's gonna affect uh, most people's brains, cause you know, back to the longevity, um, when I was at a functional neurology conference, I remember him saying, uh, the guy that basically invented functional neurology, Dr. Ted Carrick was like, um, like, if all of us live long enough, we're all gonna die of neurodegeneration. It's like, we can give people new hearts and new kidneys. We haven't figured out how to give someone a new brain yet. And it kind of really struck me as like, he this guy is saying, it, right? Um, then I was like, this is where uh, I feel I can make the
0: most impact. That's awesome. So, so guys go and check out 21braindays.com. Going to get tons of value. Going to learn a tremendous amount about your brain. Make sure that you dig in and, and definitely like once you go through and you do the course, make sure you post on social what you gained from it because it's really important. And what, what I would love Dr. Dr. Jared right now is if you could share the ways that people could follow you, both your website, Facebook, Instagram, or any other social places so they can share their experiences with you and help to tell others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on social. So uh, my website is drjaredsigler.com. And then on Facebook, I'm uh, like the facebook.com slash jared.sigler. And then on my Instagram, I'm at realjaredsigler. Um, Still figuring out the Instagram thing, you know, full transparency. I say I'm kind of a tech tard uh, because everyone's like, you should do TikTok. And I'm like, Great. Another thing to learn, because um, I really don't like the technology. It's, it's ironic. I work online, but I'm not a huge fan of like clickety clacketing in front of the computer all day. Like it kind of drives me nuts, um, which is why I love sitting across from somebody, at least on Zoom, you know, getting to see them hang out. Um, but yeah, I always try to put out as much value as I can on social media, sometimes a little controversial. Um, and I feel that's OK, because um, the last thing we want to do is um, maybe not recognize that people can have a different opinion than somebody else. Uh, And another podcast episode, right? There's a thing called theory of mind um, and that's where someone can realize you might have a difference of opinion of me and that's okay
0: very true i love it. so many value bombs i mean i could just like take a list i'm gonna come back and listen to the transcript and just take notes on all the value bombs that you dropped <laughs> so many of them so so guys listen so make sure that you go and follow dr jared on all of his social platforms go check out his website and uh definitely make sure that you let him know what your experience is with the 21 braindays.com because i think that it's going to be life-changing for you you know understanding the power of the brain to heal to heal change once you understand this process of neuroplasticity. Dr. Jared, I thank you so much for being our guest today. Any closing thoughts before we finish up today that you want to leave our guests with?
1: Yeah. Never let anybody tell you what your body can and can't do. Amen. Mic drop right there. (laughs) yeah like never i refuse to allow stuff like that into my life and and i would encourage other people to do that as well like obviously we don't want to be pie in the sky like oh if i buckle up then i don't have anything to worry about i can drive like a maniac like no, i didn't say that but you know um but i just see so many people putting their limitations on others and i find that to be and you know especially for a child that learned behavior it's very hard to undo that you know, we talk about all this stuff, um, but I would say trauma, like some form of trauma, like emotional trauma like that, just takes the cake. Amen. So, yeah, so so guard that. Um, if you wouldn't take criticism from somebody, don't take advice from somebody either. <laughs> so so yeah, very true. That.
0: The list continues to get longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, but anyway, yeah,
0: so we'll have to cut there. I, I get it. <laughs> No, no, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing so much value. Guys, do me a favor. Make sure you check out Dr. Jared on social, on his website. And make sure that you guys, after listening to this episode, go to social and tell us what your thoughts were. What did you learn? What were the insights that you gained? And if you go through and you post it on social, so we might just go and use it in another episode or recognize you on our accounts. So guys, thank you so much for being a part of this episode on Healthy You today. Dr. Jared, thank you so much for being with us and sharing so much value. We look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys, it's Dr. Scott. Hey, Make sure that you don't miss any of our exclusive content, not an episode, not a Facebook group broadcast, any of the exclusive content that we're going to have, or lots of health tips, recipes, tech, all kinds of things. Go to elitefamilychiros.com backslash htf and you're going to get signed up for our Health Tip Friday newsletter. This is going to be awesome, guys. You're going to love this because we're going to be sharing all kinds of neat things from nutrition to exercise to tech to recipes or exclusive events only for our email list members. So make sure you go ahead and get signed up. Love to see you on the inside. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Healthy You podcast. This show is for you, so we want your feedback and your questions, and here is how you do it. Number one, go to our show page on anchor.fm, and you can send us a voice message that we may answer in a future episode. Number two, join our Facebook group and post your questions in the forum so that our rapidly growing Healthy You community can benefit from the answers as well. Our Facebook group is a great place to connect for bonus content and special masterclasses as well. We look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, stay awesome!